So, welcome to the final uh, session of the Stafford Beer Brain of the Firm Reading Group. Uh, today, we are wrapping things up and doing final thoughts about the book. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's been a, a couple weeks since our last recording session. Unfortunately, we had to take a one-week recess, so uh, uh, that's a bit uh, too bad because... Um, it means that it's maybe not so fresh in our minds, but on the other hand, we also have had more time to uh, go back and take a look at things. Um, so hopefully that works out. Um, right, so I will just kind of like uh, put out my thoughts on um, reading the review sections, uh, just like going the, the, the section, uh, section overviews before this uh, meeting. Um, one thing that really stood out to me uh, was that the the first um, the first uh, section overview is really like okay we have this rapid rate of change the computer could potentially help us with this uh, issue that we're having where we're falling behind the rate of change in terms of our organizations but we don't know how to use it we could use it better and kind of like setting that as the agenda for the book. And I think in the final section, that agenda kind of falls to the wayside to some degree. Um, yes, computing technology is relevant, no doubt, but it's it's more about the model of crisis and it's more about entelechy and it's not so much about the computer, uh, nor is it really so much about the VSM. What it really gets back down to is Ashby's Law, and that seems to be the fundamental concept that actually is underlying this whole book, as well as the increasing rate of change. You know, those are the two sort of fundamental concepts that the other ones are uh, interacting with. Um, so, yeah, that was my kind of like going to the beginning, looking through the book, and then going back to the end and having a think uh, sort of conclusions about like the structure of the book and where it ends up. And obviously that's because there's there was a significant revision to the book. There's two editions. The second edition was actually based on real political experience, uh, whereas the rest of the book was based on like political experience within um industrial concerns and stuff, uh, not so much uh, uh, trying to govern. Uh, yeah. Uh, so those are, those are my thoughts. Um, Shane, go ahead. Yeah. Um, so when, when I attended Metaforum in 2018, uh, Raul Espeo made a kind of offhand remark, I think, but I want to quite serious about that. Um, we should really be kind of focusing probably less on the VSM as such and more on just variety engineering and the kind of Ashby nuts and bolts stuff. And having read this, yeah, I'm in, I'm in agreement, Kyle. I think I, I appreciate that comment more now. Um, because, yeah, ultimately, like, so beer starts with, like, hey, look, hyper-complexity turns out that self-organizing systems are the only thing that can really deal with that kind of complexity. And then he steps through the human nervous system as an example and then steps through the uh, application of that model and then wraps up with the, the political sort of experience. But the thing that, like... Even if even if you do or do not adopt the VSM, Ashby will still be cackling in the void. He will always get the last laugh, regardless. Like it, it really does still boil down to 
variety, the law of requisite variety, and the techniques of engineering variety, like um, amplifying and and all that sort of stuff. And so, yeah, it's it's just it's just very interesting, like right, that, like. Um, uh, I, I think we, we could be at risk of like turning the VSM or like Brain of the Firm into the, the new Gospels, whatever. But Beer does come back around to that point of saying that, like, no, really, it's it's all about the variety engineering and about um, balancing off Ashby's law in all these different dimensions. And whether whether it's the VSM or some other model that we might cook up or anyone could come up with, doing those nuts and bolts kind of bits of engineering is is the real point. Um, so yeah, I. I think Raul is certainly on to something there. Yeah, and I guess, like, one thing I will say about that is that, um, you know, I listen to the Systems of Cybernetics podcast sometimes. Um, they have a lot of, like, beer students and that sort of thing on there. Um, and one thing that often the people on that show will bring up is that, you know, part of second-order cybernetics or whatever you want to call it is like a focus on relationality. Um, and I'm not saying that the, the VSM doesn't have a focus on relationality, but, uh, you know, overemphasizing the importance of the VSM as like, this is our unit of analysis may leave out those things like the crisis model that are dealing with much broader unstructured networks, uh, which are still relevant to the considerations. Um, Okay, let's go to uh, Bose and then Jeremy and then Jake. Well, first off, I'd like to say that I very much enjoyed this book. I'm going to be recommending it to all of my friends. I might even make it a couple of different birthday and Christmas presents. Um, but kind of like to, to your point, Kyle, like I feel like there's times when we have like the VSM and the VSM is kind of like those little, those like... Um, pieces of like plastic transparency thing that you like, you know, those old machines that have a light bulb in them that shines up through it. And it feels like we're using the VSM and projecting it on like a national geographic or some like historical show. And we're kind of like, yeah, overhead projectors We're we're making sense of what's going on on the screen through this kind of flimsy projection. But then sometimes we can take the projection up and then kind of fetishize it without the important things still behind it, still giving it the, um, you know, that information that makes it valuable. But I guess like the one point that I really wanted to land is the in making the second edition, the text kind of I feel like it became more of itself. Um, like it took the the step from being like cybernetic in an academic sense to this kind of like profoundly cybernetic um, thing that makes me want to not just like you know I love seeing it here. I kind of want to see it like more out in the world because like of course, Beer kind of like lucked into a situation where he was able to apply all of these things he cared about in the world and actually start engineering that variety and grappling with it. Um, but it's just, it's, it's something that made the text so much more important. And I kind of wish that I got to see that elsewhere because I feel like we, the, the ivory tower that we kind of discuss these ideas in and we, we create specialties within and we create um, techniques within turns into a prison. And it's like, especially with concepts of variety, we have to break out and we have to go back to where the source is. And the source is always with the people and with the planet and like with the places and things. Yeah. And I mean, I think the other thing is that in the first edition, you really get the sense that the intended audience are like business managers. Um, and that's really not the case with the uh, final section of the book. Um, because, you know, 
as you sort of see in that story about Chile, like, yeah, they set up the business management side of things, but it became clear that, like, that was insufficient to actually achieve the management goals that the country as a whole had in mind. Uh, so it gets into a, a much broader discussion, and and the text, the text is not so like manager focused, um, which is kind of nice, uh, or like business manager focused, I should say. Um, uh, Jeremy, go ahead. You know, it's my third time reading the book, and it's not an easy book. I think there's a lot of stuff in the book I still don't understand. Um, I. The greatest pleasure I have in the book is it feels like I'm having a long, interesting conversation with Stafford. And that feels really gratifying and insightful. I don't think he does a good job of explaining the VSM in this book. Um, I think he takes you on kind of a whirlwind tour of neuroanatomy and a bunch of other stuff. And... I think the fourth part about Chile is almost a completely different book. And I feel less confident handing this book to some to a non-initiate now after this reading group than I did before. Um, I think when I read it alone, I could feel like, oh, there are gaps in this because there are gaps in my knowledge. But having all of us struggle with pieces of this book Maybe there are just gaps in the book. Um, and I don't say that disparagingly because it might be my favorite book I've read in the last five years. Um, so I love this book, but I think it's a problematic book. I think having read most of Stafford's books at this point, I think what you get out of books by Stafford is hanging out with Stafford and seeing the interesting things he has to say rather than his than his worldview. I think, you know, I don't think I'm ever going to understand these complex diagrams and platform for change. I'm never going to understand chapter 20 of this book. Um, but I'm so grateful to have the experience of sort of on paper, hanging out with Stafford and seeing his observations. I found when I was at Metaforum, and I've been very involved in Metaforum ever since, I can quote Brain of the Firm to people and point out what chapter I'm quoting and get glassy-eyed stares from people who work with Stafford for 15 or 20 years. So in terms of that, that's telling me that it's not the book that they carried with them. It was Stafford that they carried with them. And, you know, I, he, he's become this sort of imaginary father figure for me that I'm really glad to have as a voice in my head. Um, and I want to absorb as much as he has transmitted. And I find that very gratifying, but I really don't know what to do with this stuff. Um, you know, in the book, about 20 times in the margin of this book, I've written, this should be software. If I had, you know, if I suddenly inherited $50 million, I would start a startup 
with the goal of turning as much of this into free and open source software as I could. And stuff from his other books as well. I think one of the very first things I would do is come up with an app that does the VSM. Or does what we replace the VSM with. As compelling a character as Stafford is, and I think he's like this sort of Gandalf of cybernetics. Like, I... I can't believe that the final word was written in 1972 on this stuff. Uh, it has to change. And, you know, talking to Raul, who has been working on this stuff his entire career now as an emeritus professor, you see one trajectory for developing these ideas in a particular direction. You go around Metaforum, people have done different things with it. Um... And I think it's a lost, obsolete technology that desperately needs to be updated to the present. And how we do that, I have no idea. I mean, what I would do if I didn't have to work my job, I would make a think tank with the goal of extracting as much usefulness out of Stafford's writings and doing something contemporary and new with it. Yeah. Um, I think that it's, it's, it's well put that, you know, you get something out of the text beyond what, uh, the, the particular details are. Um, I think, you know, there's a kind of, uh, there's a kind of like virtue ethical perspective you can take to this and seeing like, well, what were Stafford's virtues and like, how can you uh, take those as, as a student and like, you know, bring those to your work and to your circumstances in the day. Now, of course, you know, virtue ethics can lead to kind of a cult mentality where it's like, Oh, these are the great vat virtues of Stafford. But I don't really mean it in that sense. I mean it more in like, I hadn't ever really considered thinking this way before or behaving this way before. And maybe I could do something like that. You know, being, having your eyes open to that, I think is, is really the value more so than like, you know, let's all make shrines to Stafford and, you know, write the, the six virtues of Stafford and, you know, the master quotes, such and such, but you, like, we don't need to worship Confucius, right? Um, uh, <laughs> or Lenin or whatever, <laughs> the way these things tend to go. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah. And, and then also like, I guess the other thing I, I would say is like having spent some time now in like the future space or like a lot of these like sustainable governance spaces that like I, I get exposed to through school uh like it definitely seems as though there are sort of like these big pockets of work that have been done that are very beer like i don't know if there's a direct influence but they definitely have had influence from beer and like most people don't even know they exist 
even though they get like lots of funding, there's tons of researchers who work on them. It's all very like ensconced within like governance circles. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of like discovering things like, you know, yesterday I just heard about like participatory, go uh, participatory planning. And like, this is like kind of an old hat thing from like the nineties that's still around. And like, you know, people are designing kind of like, uh, what do you call it? Um, Cybersyn control room like systems for for uh, people in government to kind of like mess around with, you know, what they could do in terms of policy and what the outcomes would be. Uh, and I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. But like also it's kind of unknown even to people in government, despite like 30 years of development. So it's like, you know, like you're talking about this stuff needs to be software, Jeremy. And it's like, I feel like probably some of it has become software. We just, we just don't know about it. Like even having done this reading group and stuff. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's my one sort of thought about that is that like, there's, there are all these pockets of work out there that just are obscure. If you're, unless you're an insider. Um, uh, Jake, go ahead. Yeah, that, uh, definitely agree for sure. It felt very like, like not knowing much about Stafford beer until, you know, finding this podcast and then this reading group has been so helpful in terms of like understanding it. Um, yeah, it, people definitely don't know about it. There's like so many things that people just don't know about. Um, so I think it's good that like more people, especially like those of us here are trying to connect it to the stuff that we're doing. Um, and I also agree that Brain in the Firm is maybe not the best like introductory text. Um, I would say, you know, if you're going to go with a Stafford beer thing, like go with Heart of, the, Heart of Enterprise more, just because I think it also goes over the VSM, but it's a little, I mean, A, it's a little less technical, like neurophysiologically technical, but also I think it, it it's a bit more of an abstraction of what it is. And the whole point of like these things is just to sort of like give an introduction to sort of like, like you said, how he thinks about stuff uh, and sort of what he says. Um, because anytime you go to, or like he talks about, or if you read like Dynish in the system, he's, he says like, you know, this is all needs to be very specific. Yeah. I mean, the language, unfortunately, that's like a whole other thing, but also unfortunate, um, like the gendered language and everything, but just like, I think it's, it's more helpful to just have, from the perspective of like understanding the VSM to have a little bit of a like abstract conception of it. So that with the caveat that he always gives of like, this needs to be super specific to what you're actually trying to do with it. So like me giving you like a specific example won't really necessarily help you in your thing unless you are doing the exact same kind of thing. So, um, so that's, that's one thing I, yeah. And, and then just to the point about like the end of this book is like a separate book. I mean, for sure, that's a whole thing. Uh, like I agreed with that, but, um, uh, um, sorry, I clicked on that link, but I don't know where it takes me. Um, yeah, this, I think it's just like him, him reflecting and realizing like, Oh, like, yeah. I mean, some of my things said this, but just like where the rubber meets the road, like there's so many other things that are like unexplored by this book initially. And I think that's the thing that I'm discovering in like thinking more in these sort of terms and thinking about the VSM and how to apply it is that like where the rubber meets the road is where, you know, you kind of like hit the more interesting snags and the more interesting like applications, like especially of course when it comes to like variety 
uh, requisite variety, the channel is communicating variety adequately, vertically and horizontally, all that stuff. Um, and it's hard not to evangelical, evangel, even evangelize this, you know, and be like, oh, you just need to read, like, you just need to do the VSM. Cause it's like, it's not, it, it is never, of course, just, you need to do this, but like, it really does help you like consider, like, if you want an effective organization, you need to consider these things. You know, it's not that like, yeah. and I think this is where it's different from like the sort of like, like being like obsessed with like Lenin or, or whatever, like where you've got like, oh, you've got these particular forums and just like, we just need to, or like Trotsky or whatever. And you're like, I just, we just need to sell the newspaper. And that's like, you know, that's, that'll get us so far. It's like, it's not about like a particular form so much as it's about like, you need to be conscious of these things that are necessary in an organization like itself, you know, and, uh, people really aren't used to thinking of it that way. And, and also just to the point that I raised before we started recording that people don't want to change. People don't want to become more effective because that puts pressure on them. Um, and so there's that whole other like human component of like, how do we introduce this and how do we like, uh, use this in our like efforts to change the world, you know, without, uh, people feeling like alienated from it or people feeling like they don't have a place in it. Cause I think one thing that beer harps on a lot, which I think is great about him, that people who don't read beer probably like assume the opposite is just that like that the humanness is so centric to what he talks about. And they like, like understanding that we're humans in this and not like machines, you know? Um, and I, I, I think people like just cause of, whether it's just the word like cybernetics and they think computers or, or whatever it is, they just assume that like, Oh, you mean like discounting people and thinking of people as robots or something. And it's just like, it's the exact opposite. And so it's, it's just like a, a struggle to kind of explain this stuff and, and why it's useful, you know? Yeah. Like it's, it's interesting. Like cybernetics is this, this, uh, you know, boundary language or boundary discipline where, um, humans and machines are kind of seen, um, within a sort of like similar ontological field. Like, you know, we can talk about humans in machine like ways or, or machines in human like ways, but like at the same time, like beer is pretty like clearly committed to a kind of humanism. Um, so it's, it's very different from something like land where it's just like, uh, we'll just go, I, which I guess is the opposite of which like machinism, like (laughs) (laughs) abandoned humanity become computer. Um, yeah. Uh, so, um, uh, the other thing I wanted to say is like, like, you know, heart of enterprise, like, should we recommend that to people? It's like, well, you know, probably not because like the misogyny and that, like, which is like a big issue, <laughs> but you know, it may be a more accessible text nonetheless. Um, I was just thinking like, you know, like what would we recommend? Like, you know, as, to Jeremy's point, like, do we need to recommend something from the eighties or the seventies to, to people? Like, is that necessary like I was just listening uh, to that uh, systems and cybernetics podcast, and they had um, 
they had Ray Eisen and Ed Straw on there. Uh, they were talking about their book, The Hidden Power of Systems Thinking, Governance in a Climate Emergency. And I think Ed Straw was your student. Um, and, you know, there are a lot of these kind of books of like, hey, here's how you use systems thinking and governance like today. And like they're being written like now. But are they any good? I don't know. <laughs> I'm just kind of wondering, like, you know, in, in the intervening years, has someone written an accessible book that is a little bit less dated and, and we could actually give to people like as like because, you know, I, I tried to write that pamphlet about about cybernetic principles that people could just read and pick up. But, like, I would be interested to see, like, is there something out there that's going to, like, do a similar job to Heart of the Enterprise, but, like, in a more relatable and less offensive way? Uh, th that's a big question that I take away from this reading group. Uh, uh, Rudy, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, a lot, of, a lot has already been said, and I don't want to duplicate it next. I kind of echo what Jake said. It's like, at least uh, we're taking this and thinking about it in the current organizations. But then for, for me, a question is like what, what was said before. It's like, it, like the VSM is clearly not the only model that exists, right? And like, so we shouldn't confuse the fact that this book talks about the VSM with the fact there is only the VSM. So the question for me is like, Beer is pretty explicit that this is a viable system model. But is it the only possible value system model? Because I feel like what Shane was saying, Ashby's law is definitely true. But this one, two, three, four, five is I'm still thinking if it's the only way of doing things. Yeah, and it's ambiguous, right? Because like he kind of says, on the one hand, this is an abstract model a cybernetic model that doesn't get into particulars um, and just deals with viability. But on the other hand, it is derived from the human body in a, in a particular interpretation that Beer gives it. Um, and it's like, well, he kind of waffles like back and forth. Like, is the, like, is this a universal model that you could derive out of any viable system uh, or is this a human model? Uh, it's not super clear. So I, I think it's like well worth exploring in terms of like, I think there's a lot there that is, is probably of, of universal applicability or like, you know, universal relevance. Like, cause we, we have talked about, you know, different non-human systems and how these concepts could apply to them. But it is, it bears a lot more ex exploration. Um, and again, like, you know, beer wasn't satisfied with this model himself. So it's, it's like, okay, let's not oversell it. Right. Um, okay. Uh, we'll go, uh, back to Jeremy and then, uh, to Matt. So one of the big questions I've had in my head through this reading group, is how do we give these ideas more traction? I mean, it is one of the great astonishments that in 2021, so many people have read everything Anne Rand has ever written. Um, it's got so much traction, and it's such shite. Like, there's, you know, 
I went through a phase when I lived in Berkeley, California, where almost everyone I know had read Gödel Escherbach, and almost nobody understood it. And I would, I didn't read it, but I would have conversations with people, and I do have a doctorate level math background, and they didn't understand what they were talking about at all. And maybe the book does a very good job. I don't know. I just never suffered through it. Um, but there's lots of these books, you know, G. Spencer Brown's Laws of Form, Daniel Quinn's Ishmael series, where they have a huge following, lots of people read them, they think this is a very honest and truthful thing, and Stafford is not at that tier, and I, I don't, the only explanation I can come up with is that he had neoliberalism's number very early in the game and was not afraid of calling out neoliberalism as just the psychotic, sadistic brutality it is, and somehow just got shunned for that. And in Metaforum, you really don't get the sense that the people at Metaforum have neoliberalism's number the way Stafford did. It's just not there. Like, it's somehow like the politics of Stafford wasn't carried to the present the way his cybernetic concepts were. And I think what I like best about Brain of the Firm, among any of his books, is he looks very unflinchingly at Kissinger and Pinochet and David Frost and Nixon and doesn't blink and doesn't stutter. And it almost feels like our whole world just sunk into that neoliberalist category with the result being that when people talk about Stafford's politics today, they call him quaint or naive, which he is not. And it just surprises the hell out of me. I mean, I think Wiley isn't helping by charging $120 a book. I think that's just scandalous. And also that so many of Stafford's ideas are intellectual property hoarded by Malik and other organizations and Wiley and all that kind of stuff. It's very disappointing because you'd think there would be a subculture around Stafford the way there are subcultures around Daniel Quinn or um, Richard Hofstadter or... Um, Spencer Brown. I mean, Spencer Brown is garbage. Like, I've read Laws of Form. There's nothing in it. I mean, interesting that Stafford would disagree. Stafford sponsored um, Spencer Brown and made sure that book came into fruition. And there are lots of Spencer Brown people at Metaforum, but I never found a thing in it. But it, I don't understand why all of these people I've mentioned who are far more mediocre minds than Stafford, have so much traction as intellectuals in our culture. Look at Jordan Peterson. You know, I mean, why is it that garbage intellect is so much more popular than what Stafford had to offer? Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I mean, I think you can explain some things, like, Ayn Rand, you know, started a cult and then had, like, libertarians bankroll, like, a, basically, like, a, like, Bible study kind of 
program for her, her crap ideas uh, and, and spread it around, uh, riding on uh, neoliberalism's coattails. Uh, but, you know, obviously that's not what Hofstadter did. I mean, it, it's, it's like... Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think that's that's a that's a question of sort of like intellectual and cultural history that's, that's worth considering. Um, but I guess I'm mostly interested in it to the degree that, like, we could change that, or we could, you know, get what's worthwhile out of this out there in the world, uh, and it's. Like to that point of like beer being naive about politics, like yeah, I don't, I don't, I think that's largely untrue. Like there's points where like I feel like yeah, okay, that's a bit naive. But as far as like his vision of what, uh, like uh, 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 of organizations and of society, intellecty, these kinds of things, I don't think that's naive at all. Uh, it's, it's yeah, it's 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 you know, it's stuff that he learned through hard experience. It's not naive. Uh, okay, Matt, and then back to Shane. Hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, um, a part of it's definitely just that, like, you know, the, the market is not an optimizing function. You know, I mean, there, there are weird little currents and eddies and, uh, um, you know, like stuff, you know, what, what uh, takes off and what doesn't, you know, I mean, has a lot to do with just, like, rolls of the dice and path dependence and a bunch of uh, uh, weird crap. But, I mean, also, I, I, I mean, I, I, I think really, like, the number one um thing dragging it down like even more than uh, um you know like it seems like no one of these books is like quite polished enough to you know just like put in someone's hand right now is is just that yeah so much of it is um is intellectual property um uh, uh and you know and really expensive books like i mean you know the 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 the, the, the reason you know it's 120 bucks is that like you are not supposed to buy them you know your management consulting firm is supposed to buy them for you and you know, like the fact that it's locked away in that and the fact that, you know, I bet there actually are probably easier to understand versions of it, too. But like that, that's also probably IP and probably not even necessarily available. It's it's one of those things where like, uh, uh, you know, you, you have to like get like a price check, you know, in order to get some materials that, you know, um, uh, uh, they, they, they charge a lot for. And and, and, and I think also like because uh, like, I, I see a lot of like management consulting stuff who, you know, will name check beer. I mean, you know, you, you um, his influence on, you know, lean startup and, uh, um, you know, just a lot of like men consulting blogs. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, in, in terms of like next steps, yeah, I mean, the, 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 the uh, yeah, the, the, uh, you know, the incentives of the management consultants, um, uh, um, at, you know, as like a business unto themselves, you know, I mean, it really is to like create like, like, um, you know, an esoteric little brand with like a bunch of acrostics and stuff. Um, uh, uh, which is actually kind of is exactly the opposite of what you know, like a living science would be, you know, I mean, like the point is not to fr uh, freeze this in amber. And I mean, you know, I mean, th that's even um, uh, uh, fundamental to second order cybernetics. I mean, you're supposed to be like messing with the model. Um, I, th I think we're always understood this to be like, you know, like the Neil Bohr's model of the atom that, you know, like, yeah, it's kind of like this, but I mean, like, you know, it, it, it is a foundation. But yeah, I mean, the, the fact that it is locked up, but, you know, it, it, but if you're, you know, you're a management consulting company and, you know, what you mostly sell is trainings or whatever, then, you know, I mean, th then actually you do need to freeze it in amber, kind of. <laughs> and, uh, uh, yeah, um, yeah, I mean, um, yeah, yeah, uh, uh, I, I definitely think after reading Brain of the Firm that, like, um, I couldn't have gotten through this if I wasn't already like convinced that there was something in it because like, it is hard at a lot of points. <laughs> like I definitely had to have like decided ahead of time. 
Um, uh, um, you know, in, in terms of like other things, just like putting someone's hand. I mean, uh, designing freedom, I think, is a good intro, but I mean, you know, it doesn't have that many details. Um, though, um, you know, diagnosing the system actually, like I'm going through it with uh, um, uh, uh, some some organizing friends, and uh, uh, yeah, I mean, look, like people are actually jumping into it, you know, um, uh, and I'm, I'm surprised how, how how well it's doing even. But uh, uh, you know, there are definitely points where like, okay, if, if I didn't read Brain of the Firm already, like I would not have understood this part, um, uh, uh, and uh, um, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, um, I, uh, yeah, so I'm simultaneously both, yeah, both impressed by like how he's, how quickly it clicks with people, but also just, uh, just not quite polished enough. And, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, the, like the point is to synthesize into something new. I mean, I mean, you know, the, and uh, that probably shouldn't be a surprise. Yeah. I was just thinking to myself, like, you know, how does this compare to Marx? Cause I feel like Marx is very similar. Like there's no like one thing in Marx that it's like, Oh yeah, this is, this is fire. Like, you know, like, like the communist manifesto, it's like, okay, like it's written to be a pamphlet, but like, it's so early in his intellectual development that like it, you, you miss a lot if you take that as like, this is what Marx thought. Uh, and then you, you look at capital, people are like, read capital. It's like, well, I feel like it very much has the same problem as Brain of the Firm. It's, it's not an easy read. Uh, maybe easier to buy thanks to, you know, like the history of the Soviet Union publishing it and stuff. But like, it's, it's, you know, it's like, it's, it's, it's not like, oh yeah, bestseller right here. Like, you know, we got it all figured out. Um, there are all, there are always these like weird books that just like nobody reads, but everybody buys. Like, uh, what was it? Capital in the 21st century, like Piketty's book. Like no one read that. Come on. Uh, it, it sold very well, but it's like, you just a press phenomenon. Um, anyway, uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, Shane, go ahead. I feel like with Marx, um, we have the advantage of having pretty good secondary materials as well. Like, to, to the extent that, like, for introducing newbies to it, reading Capital is probably a waste of time. You should give them the little slim volume by Ben Fine instead. Do um, we have good secondary materials? I mean, there's, there's some, there are some that are pretty good and, like, are condensed enough to be useful. And there's, 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 there's like, high-quality on-ramps into, like, the generalities of Marx, where there isn't the same thing for beer. Like, um, we're, st we're definitely stuck at the, like, just read all 15 fucking volumes or whatever, um, and spend two grand doing it. Uh, whereas, like, you can, you can give somebody the, the Ben Fine, like, Marx's Capital book and expect it to stick, uh, and actually be useful to them and that sort of thing. Um, I know, like, mm. read Capital is a kind of meme we, we kind of insist on as well, but, um, at least with Marx, you can you can kind of turn the dial and, and sort of wonder if maybe maybe get asking this person to read all three volumes of Capital is genuinely a fucking waste of their life, versus you know reading some of the good secondary materials. But for beer, there's there's no other alternative. You just have to go to the fucking primary materials as as kind of shoddy as they can be in places. Um, anyway, um, I had some kind of thoughts, kind of riffing on on Rudy's kind of questions that like. Um, like, is, is this the one true sort of model and stuff? I, can, I think it's kind of important to remember that, like, very early in the book, Beard scopes the whole thing down to um, studying or thinking about systems that have this kind of unitary wholeness and, like, continence to them, um, which are reflections of 
the human subject, basically. Like it's, it's how we think of ourselves, and we identify all these other system, social systems, such as firms and states and so on, that seem to have the same sorts of similar kind of properties. And maybe that's not an accident either, that there's a long history of like the emergence of states and like the projections of personal power as institutional power and how institutional power imprints the, the shape of the despot as, as its kind of shape and so on. So I think what I'm saying is that like what Beer is concerned with is actually kind of a fairly narrow segment of cybernetics. It's like self-referential systems that are quite continent, they're quite tight in their kind of loop. Whereas, um, you know, if you look at uh, Wiener or Ashby or any of these other folks, or even like you fast forward to, um, you know, folks that are picking up on complexity theory and cybernetics, like, you know, Deleuze and Guattari and Land and these sorts of folks. And, but they're, they're much, the, all the way through that tape, right, from Wiener through to, to Land, you always have that admission that these are general dynamics that are present in matter that are not necessarily tied to human subjectivity and not necessarily tied to whole unitary uh, beings. Um, and, you know, Wiener spots the nightmarish possibilities of that up front, right? Like, and, and Land then capitalizes on it and makes it into a big edgy thing that you can sell. Um, but that's, those are the stuff that, those are the things that Beer has less interest in until he gets to the end of Brain of the Firm and we get to the end of the crisis model where it kind of turns out that the chaos of crisis means that, like, even if you have a conflict between two unitar unitary forces that are relatively self-coherent, the conflict itself is not coherent. There's no structure to the conflict. There's no, there's no necessary structure to the way the conflict will play out or to the, the, like, so it's, it's kind of contrary to some of the, like, Tony Hegel we can kind of end up playing with where, oh, there's, there's structure to these entities and then, then they are in conflict and there's a structure to the conflict and then maybe there's a structure to history. I think what the, the, the dark cloud on just overhead for beer at the very end of this book is that, that's probably not the case, right? That like the chaos of conflict is an open field of feedback circuits that could go absolutely anywhere. And that would be totally indifferent to the, um, the wishes of the unitary kind of subjective units that are engaged in this. Um, so all that's to say there's, I think there's a lot of variations on the model you could even do by admitting different degrees of like, you know, more holes in, in the sort of model or allowing more play and less kind of less coherence or, or even just kind of analyzing, you know, cybernetic dynamics and stuff that really have nothing to do with like unitary whole systems that are more about like, the, um, I think what was the phrase Kyle used earlier, like these kind of networks um, and how, how they buffet about the, the sorts of things. And actually like early in the book, like when beer is selecting a biological representative to, to start with the model. He rejects ecologies early on mm -hmm. as being not quite what he's looking for. And yet that's an example of things that have, like they're, they're systems that have all these feedback loops in them and have extraordinary causal power, but don't have the sort of wholeness that he was looking for. And it's maybe interesting that he's like averting his eye from that kind of thing fairly early. Um, so I think this, this is an extremely important work I don't think it's the entire story of cybernetics, and like it, it, it would pay, it would do well to pay attention to all that other stuff that is less less whole, less unitary, less less of a tight subject than the stuff that that, that beer has, has has induced us to look at. Yeah, I mean, um, I think that's 
true. I I think Rudy's. I, I won't like. I I think that the point was though that like maybe this isn't the only model of wholeness either. Mm. Like yeah, sure. like uh, that that like. For example, like one thing that really comes to mind for me is that System Four feels quite underbaked. It's like, is this is, is it really five things, or is this is System Four actually more things than that? It's not really clear. I uh, think uh, it's been interesting because I think I've been editing some of the sessions that were around. Now this is way too early, actually. But like there was there was definitely sessions where we were talking about System Four, and it did seem underbaked. But I, I think I I thought it seemed underbaked in that there's probably a lot more going on in System 4 than what Beer is, is getting at, because if he's right, yeah. the kind of middle brain, then there's all kinds of shit, like the unconscious, the whatever is going on in the kind of deep circuits um, that just isn't really on the table. So either there's more there, and there's like 70 layers, 70 sliced layers, or maybe in some other way of looking at it, there's, it, there's not enough to, to carry it. And then he, he also does also say, like, hey, five is basically a number he plucked out of the air as well. Um, so there's a lot of different questions there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, like, yeah, it just feels like System Four. It's like, well, yeah, there's there's more going on here than the model is is actually representing. Um, uh, the other thing is, like, I think you said that like a crisis doesn't have a structure and it can go anywhere. But I think Beer is making the exact opposite point, which is that mm. a crisis does have a structure and it goes in a very bad direction. And it's, it's it's it can be represented and like as this this really dysfunctional feedback system. Uh, so it, it's not that it goes anywhere; is that it goes to this minimal variety where it's like really everything is dumbed down and communication becomes extremely problematic. So like I think that that's a you're like I think your point about the that being a very different kind of system from the, the sort of viable systems that beer is mainly focused on is, is absolutely correct. But I, I, I do think that there is a structure there. It's just not one that is viable in any way. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's, a, that's a much, that's a much better way of putting it. That's a, that's a good clarification. I think maybe, what was it, what was I trying to get at with that? So yeah, it, it is structured, but it's not, it's not intentional, right? I think that's, yes, the yes, yes. Thing. And the IntelliKey is that like, you know, we, we, we see two, two agents and they have intentionality and IntelliKey. And then there's an apparent structure to their interactions. So then we imagine that if we step up one level, there will be an intentionality to that. And that's kind of where you get your kind of Hegel ghost of history sort of stuff where we think, mm. we think that there's an intelligence driving this towards an, a particular goal. Um, and, but yeah, for, for beer, it's more that like it, it is structured, but not towards any particular end. It's, it's, it's a kind of open plane of, of structured emergence. That is that is indifferent. Um, I think that's. I think the the kind of ghost of that kind of bad version of Hegel is probably a thing that's worth exercising or exercising, uh, perhaps. Um, yeah, I mean, I think yeah. it exists as a kind of like regulative ideal in beer that, like, oh yeah, we mm. we maybe could have like higher level systems that are rational, mm -hmm. but it's. There's no assumption of there being a world spirit or of what the nature of that world spirit is, really. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, uh, obviously he's not an idealist in the way that Hegel was. So, like, you can't just, like, hand with, you can't just, like, you know, point to the fact that, like, oh, ideas are the only things that matter. They're, they're generative. 
And so, like, obviously, the real is rational, rational is real, because ideas are the fundament of everything. Like, Beer's not making that argument. Mm -hmm. uh, it's more of just, like, wouldn't it be nice if, like, Entelechi actually structured our social reality, <laughs> right? It's aspirational, certainly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, 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 but I think it's obviously a worthwhile correction because, yeah, like those crisis systems, they don't, they're not rational. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, boast, let's see. Okay. We're, we're going to do like one more round and then we'll have to wrap. Uh, so boast, go ahead. Uh, you're on super rush. We've got time, but just, yeah. Yeah, but actually, I wanted to land all these as quick as possible, too, because they're kind of like responding to stuff we already went over. Uh, in terms of success, I think we just need to skip the middle class. They're going to be useless to us. And realistically, consultants, when they might be attenuating a lot of total variety, but the variety that's getting to them has been so absolutely desiccated that it's not like worthwhile. Like I personally think that a firefighter probably deals with more variety than the average consultant. So it's like we're never going to see these books like on the Oprah's bestseller list or like on the book stand at airports. But like, if we want to think of success, we should think of seeing them in the hands of people that are actively like attenuating variety every day because they have to. Um, and to that end, I think it's actually in our benefit to just completely skip the IP. Like Stafford beer was never trying to hand us a baton to carry into the future. He was like, I wrote a map. I went out into the world, figured out that parts of my map were fucked up. I, you know, improved upon them. And I want to hand this off to someone else that has variety to add to it. I think that honestly, Stafford would be really disappointed and kind of honestly kind of depressed if he saw us as like trying to just reproduce the text that he already made. He's like, well, you have all this beautiful variety and you're like, please add that to the work that I made. Um, and like to that end, we should like consider the people, the audience that we're trying to reach with these things we're creating, like what they can deal with, what they can work with. And we need to add our variety to it in a way that's both respectful to their needs and like it works with their needs. Um, and to that end, like one of the biggest takeaways that I've gotten from reading this book is I've never, I've, I've completely become incapable of dislodging the word folk from my head, like folklore, folk studies. I want to like figure out if there's people doing stuff in folk cybernetics right now, like the, just even the stories we used to tell the oral traditions we used to keep attenuated such massive amounts of variety and in a viable way that I just think it's, it's, it's irresponsible of us to not look at ways that just folks have been attenuating variety. Like when I'm talking to my friends about this stuff, I feel like I do myself a disservice when I try to explain the VSM or like these different levels of interaction. And I try to just get to exactly where they are, which is I think what Stafford was getting to at the end. He wanted to just start handing out these pamphlets to people and get them talking in a language that they already knew, but maybe didn't have the lexicon to describe. Like, I do joke around a bit with it, but when I say, like, fuck around and find out isn't a profoundly cybernetic concept, like, it's something that people already get. Like, when I talk about grappling with variety, and I talk to my friends that like to, like, go out and do hiking and stuff, like, I'm like, you, you, you like engaging with variety. You like doing a profoundly human thing, which is, like, using your opposable thumbs to attenuate the strangeness of the world. And I think that, like, if we want to find success that's real and you know perpetuates itself we just need to like find people where they are on their terms learn the language they're speaking figure out ways to respect it and then figure out tools that can recuperate their sense of power in a world full of consultants that are just making tools that deal with desiccated versions of variety it might have been a little bit quick but i want to try to land all three of those yeah uh yeah no, i think those are all really good points and like bring get, getting back to what beer was trying to do with like his cultural work 
the pamphleting he did in Chile, like st- stuff that would be comprehensible to people. Like, you know, it was informed by a lot of cybernetic thinking, but it was not brain of the firm, you know. Um, and it was meant to be used, right? It wasn't just like, oh, hey, it wasn't advertising, you know. Um, indeed. Uh, Jake, go ahead. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with uh, all of that for sure. I think I think vari- variety is like the real thing that like has really entered my lexicon, but it's tough to explain to people because it's like, it's it's got a, like they know it means something, but it means different things to different people. Um, uh, novelty maybe is another good way of trying to like phrase it because it's a bit more precise, but also, I mean, it's not, obviously it doesn't cover the whole thing. Anyway. Um, yeah, I definitely, I think, I think the key thing about updating it, updating what beer is saying to like our context and to, to what's come since then is for sure important. And I mean, we've spoken, we like in this whole reading group, we've spoken to like, boy, wouldn't it be nice if we had like an app for this, you know, or wouldn't it be nice if there was like some sort of like website that you could just plug in stuff. And I, I for sure think that would be like a really helpful thing, you know, just like here's uh, we've tooled the uh, the the VSM or or parts of it right into in taps because like has been said it's not a totalizing system. I mean like he sort of tried to make it that way, but I think as the book goes on and as he explains it, he's like, well, uh, you know, actually it's not really total. Like it's it's you can't really get that totalized in like actually applying it. Um, and so that's that's for sure where like there's there's a lot of room to like improve on that um and yeah the key concepts and the key like the key bits about having the right channel capacity and the transducing and and and, uh um what the opposite one the uh attenuating uh variety uh is like a really key thing that i've gotten from this Uh, again it's tough to explain it to people but um yeah i think i think having visual like key cue like visual cues visual like diagrams and the making use of technology to like employ the like the dynamics of it is really key because it's it's i think it's so it's it's so confusing when you first see it because it's you're trying to take it all in and like understand it as like a singular thing but if you kind of understand it more as this dynamic thing it becomes a bit easier you're like oh you just sort of follow it through the the system and that that tells you more about it than trying to like uh just like you know grasp the whole thing at once um oh, i should have written my points down because I, I i had a bunch of stuff but um you gotta attenuate the variety um uh shoot was a yeah i don't know i just think i and oh yeah just to to the point of like he tried to kind of create a, a self-contained, like, totalizing system, and that is always rife with, like, uh, romanticizing or evangelicalizing it, you know, because, like, well, this is the whole thing, like, you just need this, you know, it's like, you don't just need this, but, like, you can use this to explain most of, of what you see, or, or rather fit in most of what you're seeing into some sort of uh, connected space that's not just, like, a bunch of branching network paths that don't really like uh that again you can't use and that's i think the real the real benefit is like it's a network that is directed towards something which people who want networks 
uh, or want to use utilize them, they do want to utilize it towards something. Um, and and there's this just this very, you know, there's an attitude for sure of like uh, among some people to like really eschew the like idea of a, a kind of directed network or a directed system because they are afraid of uh, it going in the wrong way in like the wrong direction, you know? And I think that's really like one of the nice good things I things I really liked about the last chapters and really trying to reconcile that, and, like explain why it doesn't go the way that you maybe planned and what could possibly be done about that. Um, and so I think that's really where it's useful because like that is something that I, I really don't think you see in a lot of other, I mean, maybe other cyberneticians I haven't read as much as whatever I always could use, could read more about anything, but, um, just like in a lot of like theorists around the more like classical, like socialist or communist or anarchist thinkers where no one really talks about how to achieve, or I shouldn't say that they do talk about that, but they don't, they don't like really grapple with the, like, how do things get off the rails and how do we keep them a little bit more on the rails? That's not just like a, again, to, to use the beer, like, not just killing the cat, you know, not just like putting everything in this really rigid structure. And, and I, I, so I really like the flexibility of it. Um, and just the way that it kind of the perspective that it puts you in when you're thinking about the work that you're doing. I mean, if you're talking about like organizing, especially, I, so I don't know, I, I, I would love it if there were an easier, uh, way to just sort of like shoot this into people's veins, you know? So, so it's like, here's the, the, the basis so that you can kind of like follow me when I'm explaining, like, here's why we're missing, like, we're missing a system too. What does that mean? Well, it kind of means all these things, but like the base of it is we need this way of connecting these things and people don't really have a language for that or a conception of that besides just a vague, like there should be something. Um, and then I think pretty often people just answer that with like, well, just put the same people in both places or like, you know, just talk to people, but that's very vague and doesn't really, point you anywhere uh useful um although it can be useful it's just not uh at an organizational level or if you're talking about the scaling that we need to get to the level that we need to get to it needs to be more precise which is where i think the vsm is potentially useful yeah, the, the point you're raising about the flows in the vsm being what you need to track <laughs> really reminded me of um nora Bateson's comment that like we need to focus on relations and flows in cybernetics and not so much on the nodes, right? The entities. Um, I think that's a really good w way to read the VSM um, and really important. Uh, the, the other thing I guess that comes to mind for me is in terms of like the sort of takeaway points is that, um, you know, the, the recursive nature of the VSM like system five and system one kind of going up and down infinitely is, is something that is like really important and is a little hard to grasp. Um, I think that only really clicked for me when I sort of like, when we really struggled with that system five section in the book, I'm like, what the hell is going on here? Um, that was like, Oh, okay. I see. Like, there's not a lot written about this because it's going up 
recursively. Like, it, it's not a terminating thing, actually. It's it's only terminating from a per- certain perspective. Um, that was that was quite interesting. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, okay, uh, Rudy, go ahead, and then we'll go to Jeremy and Matt and wrap it up. So just briefly, I think, Kyle, you were saying something very valuable in the sense that it seems that some parts are not well well developed yet, in the sense that, you know, this idea of System 4, if you read System 4 in brain and you read System 4 in heart, you get two completely different pictures. At least I came out of it. And the other day, Jake, Steve, and I were sitting down trying to nail down, like, you know, what is a membership intake? Where is it? Is it a System 1 or is it a System 3 because it deals with here and then? You know, where does this go? Where does this go? And something's not hard. It's very hard to say, is this a System 2, 3, or 1, or even 4, right? So what I hope is, I think we definitely should develop on this. And what I hope is, like, if we do develop on this, then we don't have people coming to us in 20 years holding brain of the firm and saying, well, beer in this, and start reading the quote. You are just wrong. <laughs> because same way I'll read to you, critique of Gotha program. Like, you're wrong because Mark said this, 1800. <laughs> but anyway, this is a very valuable reading group, and I got a lot out of it. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, I, I second that. I hope we don't get into beerology. Uh, he kind of, um, he kind of encourages that, that thinking when he sort of like lays out, like, these are my, this is my system of books. Like you need to read this book. You need to read this book. You need to read this book. Um, you know, he does kind of come across as a systematizer in, in that sort of Hegelian way of like, you know, well, I wrote this book on this subject and that's like the definitive statement on that but it's all fit into this big system of ideas that I have. Um, but yeah, like you were saying, like I think a lot of, I think one thing I take away with like the people who try to read, (laughs) read authors in a very, um, a historical way as just like, this is a system of ideas and it is coherent is that like, they miss the fact that like these, authors actually lived in historical time and there's no way they could write these ideas all simultaneously. So like it's, we should never overstate how systematized this is because you just can't as a human being create a definitive statement of everything that all fits together. Um, because yeah, you, you change your mind, things happen in your life, you know, actual development happens in history and like a static system is never going to represent that or, or exist. Uh, Jeremy, go ahead. So Shane characterized Beer's humanism. And I think it's a really important point. Um, I think one of the best things Beer ever said was money is terribly important, not because it's the goal, but because it's a constraint on eudaimony. And we want eudaimony, and the primary constraint on eudaimony is money. And that's why we need to worry about money. And it turns the whole neoliberal worldview on its head. Because it's not about money per se, it's about eudaimony, but you need money to get there. Um, I think there's a couple of concepts in the book that I really, really wish were part of common parlance. 
the concept of algodonics, I think, is really, really important, both internal and external algodonics, and a constant understanding that algodonics does arousal up the chain is hugely important. The concept of pathological autopoiesis, I think that's, it's a staggeringly important idea. I mean, basically, in my country, the Democratic Party is pathological autopoiesis. There's not much else there. So it's like, but without that concept, you can't critique the Democratic Party because that's the, it hits the nail right on the head. I think, you know, um, you did a, 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 an episode on the People's Republic of Walmart, and they do mention beer in the last chapter. I think, you know, when you go to Metaforum, I love the people I've met at Metaforum. I've stayed friends with them. But they are a group of business consultants for the most part. And they've moved beer's ideas entirely for the most part either into the realm of business consulting or as, you know, kind of boomer hippie takes on idea on like ecology and stuff like that. And I think beer's given us a tool to do beerian humanism in an extremely powerful way. And what you get is that beer was a business consultant who shipped capsized on the rocks of neoliberalism. And unless that's part of the story, you get the sense the metaphor and people just elide that whole idea. You know? Um, not everyone. I mean, Raul is there and stuff, you know, but I think for the most part, you have a generation of people who are like, here's how beer can help your business. Or, here's how beer can help your government rather than, here's how beer can liberate humanity. There's a person at Metaphorum, John Lee, who rereads uh, Platform for Change every year and is passionate that the whole point of this entire apparatus is to achieve eudemity, to extend the IntelliGate. And I think that has to be hammered home over and over again, that that's, the, that's what's going on here. It's not just about coming up with better companies or better governments. It's much more about extending the entelechy as wide as possible and increasing the eudemony of the most people and watching out for the pitfalls in that. I think really approaching it as Beerian humanism, the way you talk about Marx humanism, you know, Marx took the concept of alienation, which is a heartbreak and really made it central to his politics. And Beer takes constraints on eudemony and makes that the center of his politics. And I think it's something that Beerians have forgotten. You know? And I think it's just, just critically important. It's, we have to get these ideas into the conversation because they're so important for the survival of the species. Yeah, I mean, I think beer is, you know, getting to that point of um, money and values, money and indemnity. Um, like, beer is not a radical subjectivist about values in the way that neoliberals are, right? Like, it's not. He's not going to say like, oh, well, if Jeff Bezos wants a fourth yacht, then that, you know, that's 
that's just Jeff Bezos' value system, so, yeah, like, it's it's chill. Like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I think that's really important that, like, he thinks that values are something more than that. Um, it's kind of like this, you know, debate that's going on about Marcuse right now. It seems to rhyme with that a little bit um, in terms of, like, you know, false values and that kind of stuff. Um, I think, you know, it's it's reasonable to say that having a fourth yacht in a context of radical privation is uh is 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 wrong. Is <laughs> a false need. Uh, but uh uh I don't know. I, that's that's the only thought I have about that. It's just like yeah, like um that's one part where beer would would just really not get along with the neoliberals. Of course, neoliberals smuggle in actual values and their 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 claims to radical subjectivism, but um, the, the definitely is a huge clash there. Uh, Matt, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, man. I, I, I really agree with like focusing on like like the relational thing. L- 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 like, uh, 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 you know, I find the beer thing that I find um, myself talking about to people most often is actually more just um, on framing things in terms of like autonomy and coherence, um, uh, uh, and and just like that being uh, you know a central thing in uh, uh, in in organizations. Um, uh, uh, and yeah, the, and, and I think like the variety stuff actually kind of flows from that. You know that, that, that you know you, you 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 want you know different components to have you know enough autonomy to, to to do their thing, but you know coherence with the larger project that you know you're all coordinated um, uh, together, and you know you do that by like figuring out like what's the thing that can actually travel from one place to another, like like you know like what what, what actually can be, be be translated into a signal that like a different level can uh, um actually um uh, uh you know un- understand in some kind of meaningful way, and then the variety stuff actually you know kind of flows naturally um uh, from that. So I mean yeah that what w- you know, where this is a meta framework, you know, I mean, I think it's part of why it's interesting to like try to marry this stuff to like category theory um, uh, stuff, which seems like just a really good way to, you know, make abstractions on the fly, you know, to actually model a specific thing because, you know, the, 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 what, 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 um, uh, and, and that should actually uh, maybe determine like, you know, what, it, you know, what exactly the signals are, but like the Berian framework of like, you know, you have these components that, you know, don't like magically know what everything else on their team is, uh, uh, is thinking and feeling, you know, they actually have to communicate in very specific ways and the devil's in the details. Like, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I think, uh, 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 that's yeah. That's a useful uh, 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 direction there. I'm, uh, I think it, that, that that even also goes to like uh, um, you know uh, um, you know beer itself being kind of hard to transmit because um, uh, uh, you know uh, I, I think back to like a uh, um, you know uh, uh, Bogdanov and his whole thing of like uh, looking at science as crystallized social labor for uh, um, coordinating activities. You know, not everything is equally crystallized. Like, I mean, you know, the, the brilliance of something like uh, classical mechanics is that, like, you actually can get, like, a decent understanding of it with, like, very little, you know, um, a, a cultural context, you know, relatively quickly. Like, you could, it is very portable versus, like, you know, this is not quite as portable yet. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, um, what's it? Uh, um, you know, in, in terms of other like future directions, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling what people are saying about like uh, System Four in particular, and uh, I think it also um, lines up with what, what I think is actually kind of the missing piece of uh, Beer's neural model, which you know actually holds up really well. I think I think he kind of had an intuition of stuff that like you know really was fundamental and like wasn't gonna you know be like undone by future research. But what's really missing is the um, is the gut. 
like uh, like they had no idea how important like uh, the gut microbiome was um uh, or uh, they might not even have known about um you know like the the whole like additional nervous system that you have down there you know your 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 gut has 100 million neurons i mean you know a rat has 20 million and you know rats are fucking smart um uh, uh, and i mean, I, I, th I think that you know which actually is also something that you would define you would um describe in more ecological um uh, uh, terms um uh, so yeah th th there, go there goes the, the ecology uh, 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 angle that, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, he didn't want to put in at first. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that has a lot to do with like system four stuff because I mean, uh, it, it's a lot of kind of medium term planning. Like you, like, uh, uh, you know, you, you, your, your gut microbiome can change from like four days or so of, uh, um, a repeated activity. And so I feel like that that's actually kind of, you know, and, and you know, uh, other stuff that, that, uh, uh, bigger and, 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 uh, uh, shorter ones. But I mean, compare that to like, um, you know, system three is your, um, yeah, you know, like it's it's your uh, um, you know, your, your, your your peripheral ner your autonomic nervous system. You know, it's fight or fight. You know, adrenaline is seconds versus you know your gut microbiome, uh, which is days. Um, uh, um, uh, it's actually kind. Of, um, I'm not sure if this is totally maps on, but like I, I saw um, uh, Raul Espejo um, uh, uh, two weeks ago talk about his thing, um, uh, uh, Viplan, which uh, is specifically for like you know when you have kind of like an ecosystem like around a company. Where like it not only has like subdivisions, but also is like little kind of like boutique consulting firms that only work for that company. Um, I feel like that's actually kind of similar to like you know uh, a, a, a microbiome. So yeah, I think those are some interesting like uh, uh, some uh, directions for that. Uh, and uh, to just want to get this out of uh, yeah, I, I keep picturing you know like uh, the ten pints of beer being made into a movie in some way, and uh, uh, starting with chapter twenty of Brain of the Firm, and uh, you know he's fleeing Chile. Uh, and you just get the record scratch. You might be wondering how I got into this situation. <laughs> <laughs> you go into actually, you know, uh, 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 writing, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, the VSM and stuff. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, I think those are all very good points, very well taken. Uh, well, thank you, everybody. Uh, it has been a long haul, and we made it. Um, and uh, fantastic. Yeah. We are just shy. We are two weeks shy of a year uh, mm -hmm. since the first session. So, yikes! Long running series, uh, but wow, it's been amazing. Yes, it's been great. Are we going to do another uh, year long reading series? Or no, absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, no, I think we. I think we all need a bit of a break. Uh, oh. After after having done this like very consistently, like almost mm -hmm. week in week out, like we you know, we did miss some here and there, but pretty much week in week out, recording every Friday, uh, which is very very good. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, look for us to take a break, but there will be reading groups in the future for sure, mm -hmm. um, and. Uh, yeah, thank you everybody for the year of beer. Um, <laughs> year, 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 year. Christ. <laughs> year of beer. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, but yes, thanks everyone. It's been fantastic. Right. Really appreciate it. Appreciate you putting us together. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Thanks everyone. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye. Bye.